Well, here we are in Pat, episode one of Brizzle Kicks. How you been? Not too bad, not too bad. Looking forward to this one. Uh, it's been a good week to start. Yeah, good week in general for Bristol football, which we'll be talking about. So City pull off a second-half masterclass to stun Swansea in their own backyard, whilst Rovers cling on at the end for a very important three points in a much-improved performance. So, Pat, you watched City today. What do you think? Yeah, um, I had it on the laptop. Didn't have the the big telly um, privileges in this lounge. Um, So, watching it, all I can say, mate, is it was obviously a positive result to get. Um, First-half performance was terrible. Um, it was backed against the wall, but against a team like Swansea, you can't really complain. Um, for me, Bentley has won us that match completely uh, again. Player uh, of the season so far, really, he's, isn't he? He's got to be, yeah, you're right. Um, to, I hope we keep hold of him in the summer. I hope he's kind of under the radar um, because I think a Prem team would pay big money for him and being Bristol City, we'd let him go. Um, but he was absolutely man of the match today. Um, good to see Naki on the score sheet as well. Um, you know, that's twice twice this week. Can't really complain at that. Um, you know, if you'd have said kind of five years ago we'd have signed a player like Naki Wells, you would have you would have said, you know, go away. But um and once again now you're looking at the playoffs. Uh yeah, i the nature of being a city fan, mate. where you lose a few on the bounce, you look down, you win a couple with a new manager and you're suddenly looking up. And uh no, all I can say, mate, is it it was really, really good to watch. Or, or good not good to watch but good good to get the points on the board basically which is exactly what we need um and yeah the huddle at the end uh, on robin's tv i was watching it and they they all had a nice huddle after full time i saw that it, rem- it reminds me very much of when um klopp came into liverpool and they did the uh the, the what was it the bow in front of the the cop end after their draw with west brom yeah it was very much for the cameras i've got to say because i've no doubt that that squad togetherness was there when we were losing. Uh, I think Pearson has pulled off a bit of a masterclass there and done it in front of the cameras. Um, but it's good to see. It's encouraging. You can't really complain at that at all. Mm. Well, we'll come on to Pearson a bit later. Um, meanwhile, Rovers back in Bristol got three points today. Much, much improved performance from the gas. Brendan Hanlon finally got back on the score sheet with a bit of a P-roller into the far corner, which, uh, which you saw. And then um, Rovers did everything they could to kind of throw it away in the last few minutes, similar to what they did on Tuesday night. But um, Joe Day made a brave save at the end with Jordi Van Stapperstoff coming to save, make a last... Stapperstoff. Stapperstoff, yeah. Dutch. To make a last-minute save to, to get the three points for the gas. So, you know, both parts, both halves of the city getting three points, which I can't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, I've, I've got to say quickly that I'm not really sure how proud that keeper should be um, that Stafferstoff at the end, um, mainly because he just come on and he got a fist to a header. Um, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, here, but he honestly it was like it was like the the scrawny kid at school scoring the last minute goal in in the playground. They all jumped on him. They might as well have had him on his shoulders. It was um, it was quite embarrassing. I thought but, that's, that's just know. that's just what you get when you got a bit of team togetherness, Pat, uh, which <laughs> yeah, you don't really true. get down in South Bristol. Yeah, no, very true. Very um, true. You saw the huddle. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things are changing down there. Yeah. Um, so three points for the gas, three points for City. Both teams now looking up the table, and uh, two new managers. So 
Barton and Pearson, week one, uh, both um, obviously Barton took charge on Tuesday night, um, which Rovers lost. But no first proper games today for Barton and Pearson. Both got three points. And you know, after today's results, we could be witnessing what some are saying are well, me, the renaissance of Bristol football. <laughs> some as in you, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the renaissance of Bristol football. Uh, yeah, could why not? Why not at this moment in time? Two wins, um, obviously for either side. New managers. There's always going to be a bit of a bounce. I thought ours might have come on Tuesday, and not today. But um, but no, really, really good to see. I hope there's a renaissance in Bristol football. There's got to be. We're crying out for it. Well, to be fair, the city of Bristol from the appointments of you know Pearson and Barton this week has probably had more media coverage for the city. I guess since. Um, since that statue got thrown in the harbour in the summer. So, you know, uh, silver linings and all that. Yeah, I'm sure they'll both be battling to get their uh, statues on that plinth. Um, but yeah, no. It, so like maybe, so. maybe, maybe that's what we should do. Whoever, whichever manager lasts the longest at City or Rovers, uh, Barton and Pearson gets that plinth in the centre. Yeah, I will, I will say I think, I think Barton will hold out longer than Pearson. But uh, Pearson does have a bit of a history of... Uh, Sort of, you know, cutting his nose off to spite his face, let's say. I think he starts off well at clubs. I think every manager comes in and does start off well more often than not. Um, uh, I think if you look at his records, actually, as a manager, the, the only thing I'll say is a Bristol City point of view, we have cried out for a manager who has been in the, in, who has done it from the Championship to the Premier League. And that's something he's done, which I think is where all of our hope is coming from. Um, that time will tell whether that will work. Mm. Um, but from a Bristol City point of view, it's all encouraging. I can understand why people are getting behind him and, and you know calling him the saviour of Bristol City and things like that. Um, but I will, I would like to take a bit of a pinch of salt on some of those comments. So both appointments are very, let's say, un-Bristol Rovers and un-Bristol City, if you like. Two kind of big names coming into the club. Um, you know, Joey Barton, for instance, Let's say, at the moment, the most famous Bristolian, I'd say, is Maya Jama. Would you agree? Yeah, current current celebrity, yeah. 600,000 followers on Twitter. Joey Barton, 3 million. You'd rather so. look at Jama, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you would. But, you know, J- Joey Barton has more followers on Twitter than the entire population of Bristol. Yeah. Um, and uh, from a Bristol Rovers point of view, that's enormous from a, like a brand point of view. And, um, you know, in, in the past, both Bristol clubs, don't really go down the route of employing big names. They kind of look for the the internal appointment or trying to get a young up and coming manager in. So it'll be interesting how that develops. Yeah, I've, I mean, it's really interesting you say that about, uh, I mean, I'm talking from a Bristol City point of view, the whole coach versus manager thing. Um, I'm not sure how much I subscribe to all that stuff, coach or manager. Um, you know, Pearson come out his interview and he said, you know, if I if they want me to be a coach, I can be a coach. If they want me to manage, I'll be a man a manager. Um, so the the whole I, I find the difference between the two quite. Um, I I think uh, traditionally the manager is the one who shouts at the sideline and gets right up in people's face and gives it a go. The coach is a bit more tactical, um, a bit Lee Johnson, lots of drivel in the um, after show uh, the post match interviews. Um, and yeah, just lots of buzzwords and things like that. Whereas Pearson gives you that sort of straight edge. This is what we're going to do, um, and this is how I'm going to do it. Like it or lump it. You know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how the the Bristol media 
handle these two managers um you know in the past they've had it let's say that the bristol media have had it pretty easy in terms of the appointments and managers they've got and then they've got two managers now who are just gonna say what they think in these press conferences and you know you just you just got to put it into youtube to see some of nigel pearson's greatest moments are usually in a press conference like when he called the the journalist at or asked rather the journalist at leicester where there is an ostrich yeah, the ostrich comment. Um, I'll go to the interview that I, I, I watched, the, the half an hour he did um, for Bristol City right at the start. Um, the first question from our reporter was, so Nigel, have you had any sleep? Um, and I'd imagine he's expecting him to say, no, not a lot, mate. Um, and his first answer was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had sleep. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure what the reaction to that was going to be. And uh, he shoots him down well. He's got reporters in the palm of their hand. And he doesn't like it. It's because he's so unpredictable. It's so true. I think he's so measured in everything he says. He, he, what he likes to do is a question's put to him. He gives an answer. He will then um, stay as quiet as possible and let the reporter wind and wind and wind themselves up until eventually they melt down. And uh, no, it's just nice to see. It, it beats all the crap from Johnson, you know, the box entries and the last 70 and all of this kind of stuff. It, it just pulls you away from football as a fan, in my opinion. And to have someone who's clearly passionate about the game in charge, um, it's really nice to see. So let's talk more about kind of Nige, we'll call him. Um, that's, that's how he likes to call himself on Twitter. Well, cheers, Nige. Um, it is a bit like, you know, City have ripped the script up a bit uh, and kind of bowed down to the fans and just given up and said, go and have it your way. And got this sort of big name manager, they say big name manager, not quite the wonderful human that Mark Ashton looks for, <laughs> but um, it's going to be interesting how that relationship develops over the coming months. And uh, as I said, you know Nigel Pearson's got a bit of history of falling out with with the club's owners in the past. Uh, Rumor has it that's why he was sacked at Les at Watford, sorry, um, because of a argument with the owners. Um, but you know, I just feel that once again, City fans are getting a bit carried away with this one. I've seen <laughs> I've seen on social media, uh, won't name names. Someone's saying Hallelujah, this is the appointment I've been waiting all my life for. I know that is a strong <laughs> statement. Yeah, I don't, I, look, every fan base has some some people like that. Of course they do. But you said it yourself, mate. The ripping of the script up is where the excitement comes. It's the difference. It's the different manager as to why people are so excited for it. It's, it's, it's different to what we've had since Lee Johnson came in. It, I think the difference between Johnson and Pearson is massive. I don't want to discredit Holden. I, I don't think... Um, given like the situation with football at the moment and things like that, I don't think he was. Um, he's going to be a bit overlooked. I want to compare him to Johnson. The, the excitement comes from the fact that they are polar opposites of people. Um, did, and, did Johnson wear a gilet as well? Or? Uh, I don't think he did. Johnson was more of a, a pep. He sort of had his H&M um, sort of beige jumper on and things like that. Um, and Whereas, I mean, Pearson has gone for the gilet and polo. And I'm not quite sure whether the Gile and Polo is him or not. I think it, it is a bit weird. Like I've never, I've never seen Nigel Pearson wear a Gile before. And then, like uh, the Bristol City media team, those photos they took of him on, on his announcement day, he sort of looks like he should be working on the door at Chasers. <laughs> yeah, he should. Yeah, he looks like a no nonsense one. He's yeah. not like one of the the uh, the Prism lads. You know, they're a yeah. bit too prim and they sort of <laughs> chat to all the girls. I get that. Um, but the chasers bloke who'd put you in the back of a beamer and sort of take you around yeah. the, the side of pound stretcher and um, 
you know, no questions asked sort of thing going on there. Or, a bit, like, or a bit like one of those sort of when you were growing up, one of your friends, one of your friends always had that sort of nut job dad. And that's how, that's what he would look like. Sort Ooh. of like really stocky. Yeah. Uh, looks like he's, he's seen a few things in his time. The one who's always out in his garage. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Tom in there. He's just in the garage. Right? Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I understand. I think, look, that's where the excitement comes from. It's different. It's not It's not some chirpy, fresh, UEFA B licensed manager or coach. It's, it's Pearson. He's been there. He's done that. You don't know what you're going to get. And, and, and he's I think going again. We, we saw in the game today against Swansea sort of what he's going to be all about. Well, we hope so. We'll see. Look, yeah, I mean, half an hour in, he was sort of calling Ayu a cheat. And um, he was pretty calm before the game, I thought. And then... It only took half an hour for him to really show what he's about. But it was brave of him before the first half to take off Riley Towler. Um, you know, a minute to go before half time. Should he have done that? It was clear he was going to get a second yellow. He was sort of losing his head a bit. Mm. And that's a massive decision. And, and it's, it's his decision that Lee Johnson wouldn't have taken, in my opinion. And, and to have, to have you know, the balls to do something like that just clearly shows that he's, he's in charge and he's, mm. you know, he's, he's ready to make those decisions. You know, I saw an article in the week from um, Dave Skinner of Bristol 24-7. Mm. Um, because we do this pod now, I've got to read up on Bristol City, which is a, a joy. Yeah, I've got to say, I haven't done as much research <laughs> on Rovers as you have City, though, so there might uh, be something in that. Uh, he wrote an entire article about Pearson is the man to take you to the promised land. No substance behind it, but... You know, it's, it's nice to see these City fans getting excited once again. But we know what's going to happen, don't we? You know, Pearson come in, you'll have a good finish. You'll just miss out on playoffs. Um, everyone will get excited throughout the summer. You'll do all the heavy marketing you do in terms of putting the billboards up, saying, you know, one team in Bristol, Bristol's red, blah, blah, blah. Which it is. <laughs> you'll have a cracking start to the season. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll get to Christmas and you'll implode. And then Pearson will get sacked and then we'll recycle the whole process once again. Because that is what happens down at Ashton Gate every season. Um, it's really difficult to argue that across. Of course that could happen. That's the joy of football, mate. Um, that's the joy of it, isn't it? That's why mm. people go every season. It's the hope that kills you. Of course it is. Um, it just feels a little different is all I'll say. Um, but I'll stay and I'll keep calm. I'll be level-headed. But um, Europe in five years, did someone say that? <laughs> <laughs> and we know what happened last time that was said. Yeah, true, true. Where are we? Sort of seven years on? Yeah. Eight years on? So that's Pearson. And meanwhile, across the other side of the city... Rovers are making even more noise with their appointment, mm -hmm. uh, quite naturally. And you know, when Joey Barton was announced as manager, you referred to him as a thug, yeah, a football thug. Um, and you know what? I wouldn't call him a thug, but maybe maybe that's something that Rovers need at the moment. You no, know, Rovers is is just a nice team currently. Like everything, everything about Rovers is nice. Like Wale Arcadi, everybody loves him. Nice guy, talks to the fans. Blue, blue is a color of calm. Uh, our pirate on our shirt it couldn't look any less less, less mean yeah. it, it looks like if you put a, pi a modern day pirate in Bristol that's what it looked like now like sort of vegan eating yeah do you remember the old kids parties at leisure centers where yeah. you'd have a sort of hot chicken nugget meal there'd always be a pirate mask in there and he looks like that kind of pirate he does look like one of those I, I get what you're saying yeah yeah um, and until recently you know we were giving out three points to whoever came one of them. Yeah, so obviously one of the downsides to living with you has to be that every Saturday you've got the Rovers game on. L likewise, every Saturday you've got the City game on. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And watching them recently, mate, they have literally, they've, they've huffed and puffed, but there's been no substance to them. And sort of glancing up from the, the City game to the Rovers game today, um, I've got to say, there was fight in them, to be fair. And they looked all right. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm man enough to say that Rovers actually played quite well. We're probably good for the win. I was fully supporting Shrewsbury, obviously, with, with Cottrell. Um, well, I should obviously mention is better now, but mm-hmm. which I'm really sort of thankful for. Actually, it's nice to see that he's um, he's back to it. I'm not sure he was quite back in the dugout. That was Will. No, he wasn't in the dugout. Tonight. No, that was Will. Be again another club legend for City. So that would have been really good, obviously, to see them beat you. But I, I do have to hold my hands up and say there was a bit of fight about Bristol Rovers. Um, again, is that a new manager bounce or is that Barton's? I think it's just them terrified of Barton, maybe. Yeah, I think you're <laughs> right. But I've been doing quite a lot of um, research into Joey Barton yeah. uh, over the last week after the name manager and you know, I was determined to find more out about him than just you know his misdemeanours in the past. Um, obviously, if you, if you put him into Google, that's what comes up. But if, if you dig a little deeper, um, you can find he's actually quite a fascinating bloke. Um, you know, he, he, he started a degree in philosophy. I don't know if he completed it. <laughs> I couldn't find out if he completed it or not. Well, at least he started. Um, he's taken part in Question Time um, yeah, with Jeremy yeah. Paxman. If you haven't seen those, I thoroughly recommend you watching jo- uh, Joey Barton at um, Heathrow I think, Airport. Yeah, one of the, one of the, one of the best quotes uh, when he's talking about UKIP. Yeah. Uh, quote, if I'm somewhere and there was four really ugly girls, I'm thinking she's not the worst. That's all UKIP are. Yeah. So, yeah. That is, um, you know, a philosophy from Joey Barton. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true. Hopkins has just joined UKIP and she's ugly. So maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's wrong. Um, he's also a huge fan of Isambard Kingdom Brunel, which you know, I didn't expect that. Uh, he, um, he called for the Church of England to be disestablished. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's a, he's a huge supporter of gay rights. Um, and he does lots of lots of charity work as well. Um, he's a huge um, supporter of the Tamsin Golvin Fund, who support addiction problems. Mm. Big... Uh, kind of person in on get hooked on fishing to get people away from addictions and he's got a column in the big issue so okay. he's more he, there's, there's quite a lot about him and he's um and he's quite an impos- impressive guy really when you dig deeper and find out more about him uh, yeah um, like you have with bristol city i've been looking at bristol rovers and, and barton in particular um i don't think he is a thug i think uh, my natural reaction was to call him a thug because the first videos on the youtubes on the YouTubes or the first videos on the Googles um, has got uh, is him kicking off, punching people, spitting at people, being a bit of a bastard. Um, but I think he's done stupid things in his in his career. I think everybody can say they've done stupid things before. Mm. Um, whether a cigar to the eye, everyone's done that. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but like a, t- a ten man brawl in a preseason friendly. Well, they're another yeah. impressive one. Yeah, those kind of things. But but look. It's easy to call him a thug. I actually think he speaks really well. I think he's clearly reasonably um, intelligent. Uh, Football-wise, I you know I do hope he brings Bristol Rovers back up a little bit to give Bristol that little bit more of fight about them, a little bit more, um, you know, a derby in the championship, mate. How nice would that be? You know, that would be fantastic. So I do wish him all the best, to be honest. And um, it's, it's interesting how he. You know, we had when we had Daryl Clark, who referred to every game as a project. Uh, you know, managers refer to take one game at a time. When Jerry Barton describes a game, he calls it "we're going into war." So right, yeah. <laughs> well, no, this is what's so interesting. It's, like, it's, it's Bristol. The Bristol clubs are follow. They follow each other so drastically along the timeline. You know, mm. to, 
the fact that they were both man- managerless at the same time and then appointing similar appointments with similar attitudes to football, I think it's mm. quite interesting to look at. Um, the thing I like about Barton, I'll say this, I was listening to an interview of him on BT with Robbie Savage, um, two absolute knobs of the game, but we can all <laughs> we can all appreciate for what they are. They both said they would not be professional footballers if it wasn't for their bite and it wasn't for that sort of playing on the edge all the time. And I, I completely appreciate that. I think... When I play, I'll play on the edge a little bit, even though the standards, are <laughs> <laughs> no, even though the standards are a bit different. But no, I mean, look, he's he he's, he said himself, if he was, um, you only, he, you only play on the edge because you're chasing your first touch. Well, yeah, look, every second touch is a tackle, Coops, and you know that. But um, but no, look, he's he said himself, his ability's not good enough. Um, but that gate, but that bite and that fight gave him that X factor to make that kind of level. Yeah. And you've got to hold your hands up to someone like that. It, you know, fair play. In in, in his um, opening interview, um, he did say somebody is going to get Rovers right eventually, and you know, just like with some sort of lost cause, which, in fairness, we probably are. I think both clubs can come under that. Absolutely, I think some someone somewhere has got to take either club into that Premier League. Um, yes, uh, and you know, out of the highlight of the week for the you know the introduction of. Nige and Joey, we'll refer to them as. Yeah, Nige and Joey, had, like we're best mates. Had to be uh, Nige's uh, sporting heroes, didn't it? Fantastic. And I'm convinced it was an inside job. <laughs> there is absolutely no way. I, so, I can, for those who haven't seen it in his interview um, with Bristol City uh, on his sort of unveiling, he, um, he said that one of his sporting heroes were um, John McEnroe. And also um, uh, Ian Botham. Now, uh, that's fair enough. I think Ian Botham's a legend around these parts. I think he's trying to kind of um, sort of cling on to maybe a bit of West Country. He might have just thrown it in there. But he also called him a maverick, which is exactly what David Brent calls him as well. Um, and I am convinced there was someone on the other side of the camera or even on his texting him on his WhatsApps going, brilliant, mate. Absolutely fantastic. Um, or, or, or he said his hero is Ian Botham and the kind of guy on the end of the camera goes, can we just do that again? But can you refer him to as a maverick? Yeah, maybe that's cut into it. Yeah, yeah. But can we just make sure he's a maverick, mate? Yeah, yeah I'll smoke a few joints, but you know. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm doing a walk up the John O'Groats. Yeah, yeah. That was brilliant. I think we can all agree that was absolutely gold. Um Gold for me this week, though, as um, as while we're at it, uh, Joey Barton was unveiled at the GFA. Um, this is the Gloucester effort, Gloucester, Gloucester, Gloucester FA. Uh, yeah, no, I think a bit of funniness for me um, was Joey Barton being unveiled at the Gloucestershire FA. Um, yeah, I did see what's that. What's all that about? Yeah, it, it did. It did kind of scream of like they had to Bristol Rovers and team Joey Barton had to sort of meet on neutral ground before signing the contract but like going to war beforehand you you, yeah. you meet the no man's yeah yeah <laughs> uh before they'd let him into the, onto the training ground but so yeah it, it was a bit weird because later on that day it wasn't all the all the clips coming out of Rovers was him on the actual the quarters at Almondsbury so um obviously they allowed him once the contract was signed to go onto training ground but yeah, well, maybe you have to do a test or something. But mm. interesting, I, I'd like to actually know why. If anyone knows, um, let us know. That'd be yeah. really good. But um, interesting times for Bristol football, for the two professional clubs. You know, you think Barton's going to last longer than Nige. Um, let's just see what happens. Um, but, you know, you heard it here first. 
this could be the start of the renaissance of Bristol football. I really hope so. I really do. Right, enough about the circus that is Rovers and City. And let's now talk about local football. Yeah. So um, we know that steps three to six have been curtailed, which effectively means null and void. Um, Bristol Manor Farm, that will, that will affect in the Southern League. And obviously a lot of our Western League teams are also affected from that. Mm. However, we don't really know much about tiers um, lower than tier six. Uh, we know the Bristol District League are randomly called off their season early, yeah. um, which is a bit strange considering yeah. the other leagues in Bristol haven't. Um, mm. Being a local football manager, Pat, mm-hmm. what, what do you think of, of everything that's going on at the moment? Well, from our point of view, we're top of the league. Um, so from our point of view, let's play it. I have absolutely no reason not to play it. Last season, we were bottom of the league. Um, and I was going null and void. Of course I was. I think that's the nature of it. I, I absolutely believe. So the FA have come out and said that they've um, they've sort of done a, they've spoke to um, chairmen and, and owners of all these clubs uh, and they've done a, a questionnaire or, or more, a survey basically to sort of decide on, on what the next course of action is for these steps. Um, and of course, the teams at the bottom are ready to null and void to go again next season. Teams at the top want it to to carry on. Um, at the end of the day, lower than six, it, it should all, any any tier of football should be about enjoyment. But lower than six is all about enjoyment, isn't it? It's about going out on a Saturday, playing football with your mates, having a few beers afterwards. So for me, just get it played. And uh, unless you've got a cricket pitch um, on your pitches, then why not have a summer league? You're absolutely right. Um, I don't think actually that even up from three to six, kind. Of, I, I suppose that I'm not sure at what point. I've never made those heights as a well, player. I think, I think three to six is more about sort of funding. Some of the t- some of the players in in those leagues get paid. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's, it's about it's about that. Um, but you know, as I said, when you get lower down, it's all more about enjoyment and and more about you know hobby exercise for people. So I understand. I I I personally don't understand why there can't be a blanket across all non-league football that includes down to our level in the suburban. I don't think um, there should be a different rule for the county league or a different rule for the western league or a different rule for the southern league. I think it's a bit. It's so disjointed that the information we're getting at the moment is is ridiculous. Mm. And from my point of view, um, as a suburban senior manager, I know nothing. A senior manager. Senior with senior division. Oh, I, thought I thought you were referring to yourself because you because you've done a season and a half. <laughs> not, not even a season and a half. The last season got curtailed. You've done probably six months. Yeah, but to be honest, like I said, it's not about the experiences. It's about where you finish in the league. So uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I just think um, I just don't understand why we can't do it. From just, I think a summer league would be fantastic. Yeah. So, oh yeah, on the on the, obviously the the rule. Well, the summer league is in. We finish in the summer. Yeah, we just play our games in the summer. I think local football has been crying out for a summer league and to change the months back. And Especially with the, da- a, with the downs, I don't see why you can't play in the summer. Some of the pitches are they're December not, up the downs and things like that. They're not, they're not going to be playing cricket on the downs, are they? Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, the wicket might run through. But no, I just think. I just don't understand why they can't do it for every league, what's going to happen. I understand there's going to be different um, 
different hurdles for each club. Um, we're, we're, from personal experience, I, I managed Almondsbury. Last season, we Reserves. could not reserve. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, we couldn't play our home games at home last season because of our changing room situation. So when the first team were home and when we were home, we couldn't play together because we had one set of changing rooms. We managed to work that out. We just played our home games away. It was easy as that. And I understand there's different factors and people have got different motivations, but I just don't understand why we can't just put it all into one kind of one kind of blanket thing that we're going to do. And I honestly think this would be the perfect time to trial playing the games throughout the summer because more will go on, the weather's better. January, well, November to February, you play about three games anyway. Yeah. Because yeah, the pitches are so bad that, you know, they're roll, you know, they're puddles everywhere and it's, it's an absolute nightmare. So um, this would be the perfect season to try that, in my opinion. you come across a bit of a rumour, haven't you? I have, yeah. Um, a bit of a local rumour. Um, so North Bristol, I hope I hope the same's happening in South. Um, there are a, a club, um, I don't know if I can say, can I say? I don't really know. Yeah, well, look, Patrick Town are interested in, in a, a local mini league. Yeah, of course you I can say, can't I? Cause yeah. said it. It's hardly a secret, it's local bloody football. And if anyone's <laughs> got a problem with it, you know where I am. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a local mini league, hopefully. An A38 mini league with not not us, not the reserves, but our first team, um, Little Stoke, Gifford, hopefully. I don't know if Gifford come under it in the, sub, in the suburban leagues. Okay, I guess it depends if uh, suburban league's playing, doesn't it? Uh, it very true. Um, Tiverington, Thornbury, um, Patchway, I've said that. You know, other you know, the local clubs in North Bristol. Be a bit of a, a t- tasty summer league, won't I it? hope so. I, I, I'm really looking forward to standing on the sidelines at Little Stoke Fields <laughs> with a couple of cans and watching some of those games because I tell you what, they're going to be brilliant. And, and it's a great idea. It's a fantastic idea. Um, and it'd be really good to see teams playing against each other, especially in our local area, because... The thing with North Bristol and where we are, um, everybody plays for each other. Everybody knows each other. They all live in the same areas. It's, it's everyone, a really condensed... Everyone jumps around the clubs. Of course they do. Of course they do. And it, look, it's a really condensed area with multiple clubs. And, you know, to, to see, like, two mates going at it and, and playing footy and, um, you know, just it's those a little joy, rivalries. A joy to behold, isn't it? It is, mate. Okay. I, honestly, it's poetry on the pitch. And there's nothing better than on a Saturday afternoon standing on Little Stoke Fields watching people nothing, kick lumps out of each there's other. There's nothing better than that. <laughs> Honestly, mate, give me that over a trip to the Bahamas any day, mate. So um, in the news this week, it's come out um, of a FA campaign to give the ref a hand. <laughs> um, so this CEO, Martin Cassidy, said, quote, we want all clubs at grassroots, le- grassroots level sorry, or higher to clap the referees out on our first weekend back and just to give him a little hand to make football positive for anyone, let's come back after lockdown and make the game better together. Close quotes. Yeah. What do you think of this? Uh, the clapping of the hands. Um, I've been booked for clapping a ref <laughs> before. Uh, and now well, the rules are changing. I don't mean it's well, fair. Wayne Rooney's been sent off for uh, clapping, clapping the ref. Clapping the ref, yeah. I... Like that's probably the only thing I have in common with <laughs> Wayne Rooney, I have to say. Uh, no, I got, yeah, I got a yellow. I... Oh. I um, Look, people have been clapping the refs since I started playing football ten years ago, right? Yeah. The I, I see what they're trying to do. Obviously, look, 
it's a tough job for referees. They don't really get that much respect. And we, we found that when we've tried to book a ref, it's been very, very difficult. So there's obviously a shortage of refs going around. And yeah. the quality of refs that, that we get at the suburban level, level are pretty poor at times. I, I think, right, I, I want to say this. I give refs a really bad time. I, I don't, I, I'm the first to complain at referees. Without them, our game doesn't happen. Mm. I have the utmost respect for these blokes who want to spend their Saturday afternoons running around a pitch refereeing well, a 20, game. Was it 25 quid? Thir- yeah, 30 <laughs> quid a game. Fair play. 30 I, quid I, to gen- get ab- abused. To get abused. Like, so, so absolutely fair play to what they're doing. I, I honestly have a lot of respect. So is, is fec- effectively putting referees on a pedestal really the right way about to go and get them respect? Um, no, not really. I don't think it is, but I'm just interested to see what kind of applause they get. Um, I got a feeling that when a ref pulls off a good decision, um, will they get a ripple of applause like a golf tournament or um, tennis? I don't know, or cricket, you know, when someone drives a nice four. They ain't mental unless it's like a massive game, but they get a nice ripple. Um, but I'd actually like to see it where we celebrate the refs like we celebrate goals, to be honest. Um, and we all go and we celebrate <laughs> them and we run to them on the pitch and we pick them up and hug them and he runs around with his shirt off. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. Um, I think that's the way it should go at grassroots. Absolutely. Yeah. He runs to the corner, gives it a big one to the fans. What a, what a decision. I knew it was offside like that. And do we clap the linesmen? Now, our level, the linesmen are our mates. There are subs that aren't quite good enough to play. If anything, the, there should be a campaign to give the linesmen some respect because... They just get constantly abused for cheating. Linos get abused and they're only there to kick a ball about. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just not good enough to get on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, the blokes, the blokes who pick up the flag, they must be thinking, hang about it, I got out of bed for this and I'm just I'm, getting abused. I'm paying money for this. There is nothing worse than standing there with a flag. And, and I'm paying you know, £6. I think we can all agree that even if there's a bit of a sort of not a clear decision, it goes in your team's favour. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that one. Of course it does, right? But the amount of abuse you get, you yeah. get nothing for it. Maybe five minutes at the end if you're lucky. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, no, I would uh, look, look the clapping thing. It's a nice idea in practice. Whoever has said this, Martin Cassidy, yeah. has clearly never been yeah. to a Sunday or a Saturday league game. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Uh, we've obviously been in games where referees have, have had a bit of abuse, and uh, I don't know enough about what the Gloucestershire referee do to clubs that referees put complaints in about so I guess it comes down to that whether teams are getting punished for abusing referees or not um, but I don't think clapping them is, is going to do much in all honesty but no but it'd be nice to do yeah. wouldn't it something else to add to the Saturday thing to do meanwhile uh, because football obviously can't happen at the moment they've had to cancel this year's Ben Hiscox charity football match um, however the guys at Stoke Gifford United are still eager to raise some money in Ben's memory. Um, so they are embarking on a fitness channel challenge Sorry, throughout the month of March. Um, they're dedicated to hitting 4,000 miles by the 28th and everybody's getting involved with this. So um, they've got a cycling team of 12 that are going to cycle 200 miles each. And they've also got a running team that's going to cover 52 miles within the four weeks. So um, that's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. But raising some um, great funds in Ben's memory for Headway Bristol. So they need all the do- donations they can get. So head over to at Stoke Gifford FC for more information on that one. Um, also, if any of your, any of the other local football teams are doing anything that they want us to promote, just get in touch with us on Twitter. Yeah, we'd love to be involved.
Right, so the final section of the show is the Brisbane 11. So uh, we are going to be, with the help of our listeners, deciding what the all-time Bristol 11 will be out of players that have played for Rovers and City. Um, I'm actually pretty confident that this 11 will be all Rovers players. Okay. I, I honestly, obviously Bristol City have got a better record in terms of football than us, but... You said it. But... I think we've had better individual players in the city. Uh, okay, well, look, look, it's not for us to decide, is it? We will obviously put forward two nominations for the position. Yeah, so uh, each position will put forward two nominations. And then on Twitter, um, which is at Pod, you can vote for who the winner will be. And after this all, we'll have a, a Brizzle 11 that we both sides of Bristol can be proud of. Proud, yeah, and so obviously when the idea of a Bristol United comes in, this would be the starting eleven for it. Yeah, so uh, I think if, if they had a kit, I think red and blue quarters. I'm not sure quarters, but we can discuss that in the fashion meeting if that's what you'd like to do. Yeah. So uh, for week one, we're starting at the back, going for goalkeepers. So Pat, what? Who's your nomination for the Bristol eleven goalkeeper? Uh, and why, or just the uh, name for now? Nomination and why. Okay, so, um, okay. It's got to be Brazil's number four, <laughs> Bristol City's number one, Adriano Basso. All right? Really? That, that is the best you can come up with from the history of Bristol City. Look, the Adriano obvious, Basso. Look, there's the, obvious suggestions. There's one bloke, obviously. The guy bowed down side. to Ricky Lambert. He hasn't bowed down, has he? He's tried to save the ball. Enough about him, mate. You, uh, look, I understand. You haven't watched him week in, week out. You haven't been there. You weren't there, man. Thank God. Uh, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He cost us nothing. Apart from the JPT final. He didn't. It was the playoff final. But he didn't cost us anything, right? <laughs> Oh, right. you mean the uh, game against Rome? He didn't yeah. cost us for that. Should have saved it. It was really. shoddy defending on the edge of the box. But we won't go into that too much. That can maybe a discussion for a different day. Adriano Basso. He cost us zero pounds, right? Um, he was there for the promotion back into the championship where we then went on to play the playoff final against Hull. The less said, obviously, about that, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time, he was actually voted as BBC West's player of the year now what, what year was that that was 2008 right okay one of you know a pretty good accolade to have better than the kick in the teeth isn't it isn't it i would love to have uh won that he's also a massive devout christian mate i've got a signed photo of adriano basso in What's my room being in the brazil 11 jesus saves <laughs> mate and so does basso so um i've got a signed photo of him he puts a nice little chapter from the, um, you got a signed photo the Bible. Signed photo of Adriano Basso on the wall, ready to go in my room. Um, maybe it's a giveaway. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, forgive me. He made the mundane saves look world class, right? They, you'd, they'd clip a ball into the top right-hand corner. He'd save it, but he'd also try and flip around it as well. He'd catch the ball. He'd do a nice dive. It'd look great for the cameras. For me, as a child or, or a younger um fan of Bristol City watching those saves mate from my Dolman Block A season ticket um, you know directly in line with the Atio goal um, fabulous mate honestly it was it is honestly like Swan Lake some of the things but they, they do say a good goalkeeper makes it look 
easy though and he does and he did he made the world-class saves look easy all right um look or he made the easy saves look world-class which is not a great thing to do that is kind of yeah that is what i said initially all right well look look okay and it all right if that hasn't sold you if if none of that has sold you um he liked a tweet about six months ago and that tweet was from an amateur porn um twitter account and it was a video of a woman obviously in porn and he liked the obviously tweet. in porn. obviously you know <laughs> that's one way of describing all right, porn. obviously having a good time having a good time yeah and he liked the tweet and for all of his followers to see um you know this is a man who's who's played at the likes of you know woking nuneaton <laughs> rush 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 cliff borough all right now now i'm not sure i don't know no, i don't know who you've got up i don't know how how good your keepers are um maybe you could give it to that guy who did that sort of punch today at yeah. the end yeah he, he'd go down a gas legend for that sort yeah, of well, routine it... save um but yeah and 165 appearances for bristol city oh look all jokes aside i've taken 165 a... that's surprising right, look, I've, I've taken a piss a little bit because um but basso honestly um, had probably the best goalkeeper song as well um, for Bristol what, what City. What song? Can you give it a sing? Uh, yeah, of course I can. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite complex, quite difficult to learn. Um, oh, basso, oh, basso, and that was it, mate. And once you know, yeah. And when you got the whole of Ashton Gate singing that, it was, it was amazing. And look, Bristol City fans, please back me up here. He was fantastic. I'm not doing him any justice in one bit, but Sorry. he was brilliant. So my, my nomination, Basso wouldn't be even fit to lace his boots. Let's be honest. Steve Phillips. Um, Steve Phillips. <laughs> we should have we should have just scrapped the nomination, just gone to Steve Phillips. That would have been easier. Yeah. Um, the only man to play for both clubs and both clubs to like him. Yeah. Um, so my nomination is Nigel Martin. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah, Nigel Martin, born in Saint Austell, Cornwall. Pretty much Bristolian. It's not far, is it? Well, I'll say, yeah, you wouldn't want to walk it, but yeah. Uh, played 101 games for the gas. Okay, a bit less than Basso. Yeah, however, represented England 20, 23 times. So, England international between yeah. the sticks. Well done. Uh, and the only reason he didn't represent England more was because of David Seaman. Yeah, well, I obviously would have said David James, but now I know you've gone for Nigel <laughs> Martin. And, I'm sticking with Basso, though. Uh, and a lot of people... You know, back then, did think that Nigel Martin was a better goalkeeper than David Seaman. Um, he he was, and this couldn't be any more Rovers, any more ragbag Rovers, if you wanted it to be. Right. Uh, the reason Bristol Rovers signed him, and he's confirmed this, if you listen to the Retro Rovers, well, Rovers podcast, well, an interview with Nigel Martin. I'm sure it's brilliant, but I probably am not the target audience. <laughs> for that yeah, he was the he was spotted by the Rovers tea lady while she was on holiday in Cornwall. So she was, sorry, spotted as a... So we had a tea lady. Right. Uh, she was on holiday in Cornwall. Yeah. And she was, she must have been Rovers scouting department then. So you, <laughs> she was making a tea and at the same time head into these games to look for players or just no, she was just, chance. she was just on holiday in Cornwall. And, and then somebody uh, told her that she should take a look at or pass on to the club that we've got a good goalkeeper my here. question to that, my, my honest question, is that what person at Bristol Rovers has listened to the tea lady and gone, yeah, let's get him up? It's Rovers, isn't it? It's ragbag. Yeah, all right, fair dues. Well, ragbag back then anyway. Yeah. 
Um, she uh, spotted him. Rovers signed him. <laughs> Just off the judgment of a tea lady. As you would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, obviously played for 101 games for Rovers. And then he was the first £1 million goalkeeper in the yeah, world. Yeah, I'm, I am aware impressive. of that. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. thanks to the tea lady. All thanks to the I tea bet it's more money than she bought him selling tea. So I don't think there's any, uh, there's many tea ladies in the world that have made up £1 million for their business. I don't know. <laughs> do we still have tea ladies now? Yeah, yeah, lower leagues, of course you do. Uh, after Rovers, uh, he went on a sign for Crystal Palace in 1989. Mm. And in his first season, took them to the FA Cup final on his own. Not interested. Uh, Not interested. We're talking about Bristol City and Bristol Rovers wait, keepers. Wait, wait. Uh, and then... Since Rovers, he's been voted into the Palace and Leeds United all-time eleven, which means all he's missing is the Bristol eleven from his list. And there'll be a reason as to why he didn't make that eleven. Probably because no one's done a Bristol eleven before <laughs> yeah, now. Maybe this is the first one. Yeah. Um, look, two fantastic um, options. One fantastic options. <laughs> all right. Not. Not. No. 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 I'm. I. I Genuinely, I think Bristol City fans will stick up for me here and say that Basso was such a good goalkeeper and just just an all-round legend, you know? Yeah, I think we should say as well, let's try and make this Bristol 11 sort of good. Let's not just vote for Rovers and vote for City. Let's try and make a, a good balanced 11 here. I think that's fair. I yeah. Think, yeah, we're try yeah, we are let's trying try to Let's try and put it. our allegiances to one understand. side. And I can understand that. I can understand yeah. why you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this is a bit of vote on Twitter for who you think. Look, obviously, there's only one winner here, um, but we'll trust the Bristolian public to make an educated decision on their vote. Um, and yeah. Let's see how this goes. Uh, we haven't decided on a formation yet, though. Four four two. Should we go classic? I think we go for. I think if anything screams Bristol football, <laughs> it's four four two for now, yeah. doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. So the people of Bristol make your vote. Uh, you can vote for either Nigel Martin or Adriano Basso to be between the sticks in the Brizzle 11. Um, to vote, just head over to Twitter. You can find us at Brizzle Kicks Pod and you can make your vote there. Yeah, uh, obviously looking forward to seeing Adriano Basso in the number one shirt. Um, well, I think we're done, aren't we? Yeah, episode one done. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for to hear next week's episode. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter at Brizzle Kicks Pod, and please give us a vote on the Pod Store whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a, give us a bit of a review. Uh, we're always happy for feedback. Yeah, like to listen. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Nige. Cheers, Nige.